Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. December 4th, mark your calendars. Uh, December 4th, this is happening. Invite your friends. Best Ren, do you uh, recall what would be your favorite moment from our previous past uh, Christmas production? Yeah, I might be stoned for mentioning a moment from the COVID. Uh, so we did everything online when our one Christmas production, but the entire Christmas production opened up with Ben Yancey, our executive pastor, waltzing into the shot. And if you don't know what it is, it's still online. You can go check it out. But Ben Yancey's always hamming it up every single Christmas. And so that's one of my favorite moments. What about you? I agree. I, to be honest, the only one, the one that comes to mind the most is not out of the production itself, but one of the promo videos. And it was actually you and Pastor Luke oh, yeah. doing the whole thing in Swedish. And it was just something um, very, very funny. You can check it out online. Yeah. So we're really looking forward to our Christmas production. Make sure that you put it on your calendar. You'll notice that it's only at Maxwell's, and that's because of the setup requirements that are needed for that. Our times have changed. This is going to be one week, one Sunday that's just at uh, Maxwell's, and we want to make sure that you're already getting it on the calendars of family and friends and people at work and all the rest. So make sure you're doing that. It's a great chance to invite people around this time of the year. Okay. Um, the last thing we just want to touch on, you're going to see on the screen right now as I'm just talking, a time lapse of us setting up here at um, Landmark uh, every single Sunday. And the reason that there's a time lapse on the back is because we all know that church isn't built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. And one of the unique things about Slate Church is that this isn't unique. Um, one of the things that we want to make sure that we continue to underscore as a church is that this wouldn't be a church where we just come and warm seats. This would be a church that we come and we actually contribute to what God is doing. We want everybody in our church to be part of a local, which is a small group that eats together, serves together, studies together, holds one another accountable to spiritual formation. We also want every single person in our church serving in some capacity, especially on a Sunday. And I just want to thank every single volunteer that's a part of setting this space up every single week getting it ready, getting ready for people to come in, crowds of people experience God's presence. But if you're not currently involved in a Sunday, it is as low of a commitment as even just being able to open, open, hold open a door for 15 minutes before a service or after a service. We just want to make sure that everyone's involved. If you've been coming in and you've been enjoying everything that's happening at, at, that we're doing as a church, it's time for you to start signing up for that. So you can sign up at slatechurch.com and you can fill out a connect card. But an even better way 
is to talk to Pastor Jared today at the orange table out in our lobby. It's pretty easy as on the way out, you can see that. But guys, let's make sure that we're a church of contributors, not just consumers and people that are actually willing to give back as we've received so much ourselves from God, all right? Sound good? How was the time lapse? Did it look cool? I didn't get to see it. They just said there was gonna be a time lapse on the back while I was talking. Was that like a cool way to do an announcement? Hey, we're, we're, we're thinking of new stuff, guys. That's great. Listen, um, I'm really excited about who's coming up to speak right now. Uh, he bailed me out last week. Many of you will know that I had, like I couldn't hear as I was speaking last week and yet I wanted, it had been so long since I spoke. So I, I toughed it out, but I actually had to hand my notes from the morning over to Jared and he had to speak my message in the evening service last week. So not only did he bail me out last week, but he's speaking this week and I'm really excited about it. Jared's a phenomenal pastor here on staff at Slate Church. So can we give him a welcome as he comes up on the platform? Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing this morning? Doing good? Doing good? Why don't you take two seconds and turn to your neighbor and just say hello, give him a shake, give him a high five. If you don't know the person, introduce yourself. It's good to be in church this morning. Happy to be here. Excited about what we get to talk about today. And, um, and listen, we've got a limited time in our morning services, and we've got a lot of scripture to work through this morning. So I'm going to just jump right in. And before I do, I just want to say a big thank you to Pastor Brandon and Pastor Emma for giving me the opportunity to share in this series and for leading our church so well. You guys are, um, I'm just looking at you because Brandon's like side stage now. But you guys are such a great example to, to Beth and myself and so many others in our church of what it looks like to love God, to follow after him, to be obedient to the call on your life. And so thank you for leading our church so well and for um, just inviting so many people into that. Can we just thank our, our pastors this morning? You guys are great. You're great. Listen, okay, so we're in this uh, Set Apart series, and we're talking about our faith and who we are as followers of Jesus, kind of becoming disciples and more like Christ, and all of these things that maybe we put in this box of, like, church and, like, this faith box in our life. And we're trying to talk about, like, hey, what does it look like to have our faith actually impact, like, our vocation, the work that we do day in and day out? And so today, the angle that we're going to look at that from, we've heard lots of different messages about how work isn't, like, something that is to be despised, but it's actually something that God creates and invites us into. And so there's beauty in our work. There's eternal significance in our work. And then uh, Pastor Emma's talking about what it looks like to actually be on mission in our workplace and to be a disciple of Jesus and to, and, and to just see the world in a different lens of actually meeting people where they are with the good news of, of the gospel. And last week, Pastor Brandon talked about, um, he talked about, what did, what did we talk about last week? You gave me your notes. You talked... Yeah, we both talked about stuff. We talked about identity. We talked a lot about identity in the workplace and, and, and what is our identity as followers of Jesus. And today, I want to talk about um, priorities, all right? So we're going to talk about priorities in our life in general, but where does work fit into the priorities of our life? And how do we juggle all the things that are going on? Many times, I think like, I don't know about you guys, but I think about my life in terms of different like segments or different boxes or different things that like take up time. I often think about my life in terms of like a calendar. How many people have a calendar that they use on a regular basis that you're actually like updating stuff? Quite a few people. I didn't get into the habit and practice of that until too late in my life and I missed a lot of assignments in university just by not having a calendar. But when I did start using a calendar, I started to think in terms of like these time blocks and every day has a certain block of time and I'm blocking all my time up and I'm investing my time into different things. And when I look at my time, I look at that, the, the work piece of my life, it's just such a large block of my time. And so thus, it must be such an important part of my life. 
must be like high, high up on the priority list of the things that are the most important in my life because it's taking so much of my time. So we block up and, and chunk up our life, and, and that's a, a bit of like a broken way of thinking, obviously, as you guys can see, because... Um, because, like, I mean, so, some of us in, in the room this morning, our, our, like, faith life is kind of relegated to maybe, like, 10 minutes in the morning and then, like, an hour on Sunday mornings. And so it's like, well, if our time is reflecting our most important things, then we've got to be, like, really aware of where our time is going. But today, I want to unpack this idea of priorities and what are the most important things in life and how does our faith, how does our work, how does our family, how does everything fit into that? And I also want to help just give some practical things so that we're able to um, like practically not just manage all of it, but really thrive in all of the things that God has called us to and God has gifted us with and God's invited us into. So if you have a Bible this morning, you can open it up to Luke 14. I'll give you a couple seconds to go ahead and do that. If you have a physical Bible, um, that's awesome. If you have a digital Bible, that's also awesome. And so you can go ahead and open to Luke 14. We're going to read um, the story of Jesus. We're only going to read a section of it, but we're actually going to recap the whole chapter because it's a really powerful passage of Scripture. And I, as I was reading it this past week, it sort of came alive to me in a bit of a different way and, um, and sort of took over the whole writing of this message. We're really just going to, like, chew on this passage of Scripture. And so uh, after you guys leave this place today, I would really encourage you to take Luke 14 and read the whole passage through and just kind of get a picture of what's going on there. But we're going to recap it. So Luke 14, um, we're going to go verse 25 to verse 34. If you're there, say, I'm there. It's pretty good. There's always like two people. You got it? Me too. Okay, sweet. Okay, uh, Luke 14, 25 to 35. And it says this. I'm actually going to read off my iPad because I have a page turn in my Bible and that's always a problem for me. Um, it's, it, the, the title of this section is The Cost of Being a Disciple. And it says this. It says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. It's heavy words from Jesus. It's like, what are you talking about, bro? Don't you say, like, honor your father and mother, and haven't you gifted, like, the family? What do you mean you've got to hate this stuff, even our lives, in order to be a disciple of Jesus? He says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with the 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll not send a delegation while the other is still a long, will he not send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace? In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything uh, you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your words, God, and thank you for your teaching, and thank you for your church this morning, God, and that we get to gather in this room like this, this beautiful thing of, of this moment where you actually meet with us as a, as a community, as a body of believers. God, we thank you for your presence in this room this morning, and we thank you for the gift of your word, Lord. We thank you for the gift of these teachings, and I pray, God, as we unpack these teachings today, that you would teach us something new, that you would teach us something fresh, God, that you would make us more like you as we, uh, as we unpack your word this morning. We love you, Jesus. We invite you into this place and pray that you'd move in a powerful way and do something new in our church today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so this, 
this was a passage that, like, I've wrestled with at different seasons of my life, going, like, why is, why is like, specifically that, that first portion, why is Jesus telling me to, like, hate the things in my life, my father, my mother, my wife, my children, my brothers and sisters, hate even my own life? Like, you can kind of understand a little bit of what Jesus is saying here, like, okay, cool, like, we need to prioritize maybe the right things because uh, we need to pick up our cross and carry Jesus. That's, like, maybe the most important thing, and, and all these other things aren't as important. But it's pretty heavy-handed language. And then he goes into these two little stories of, like, th- this idea of before you go and do something, count the cost and measure what it'll actually take in order to do that thing. And then he gives us this idea of, of salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, it's, it's not worth anything. And then he ends it all with this really interesting line of, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And I, and I was sort of wrestling with this passage of scripture. And an important thing to do when you don't understand a passage of scripture is always to read the scripture around it. To go, okay, what is happening in this story, like physically? And that's why I really love the book of Luke. Is because Luke, um, he is really detailed in the events of Jesus' life, like the practical events. So you can put the story together in a picture of what's happening. So as I'm, I'm taking this passage of scripture, and I'm going, okay, what does this mean? I started to look at the context around what Jesus was saying. And the context of this is he actually says this um, at a dinner. So he's at a dinner with a group of people, and they've invited him out. It's at, a, um, it's at a Pharisee's house. He's a really prominent Pharisee at the time. And Pharisees were like the religious leaders of the day. They held a lot of influence in society. It was kind of like this combined role of primarily like faith-based, but also had a lot of sway in the, in the culture and in, and in politics. And it was just a, a prominent person, and they'd invited Jesus and this, this group of people that he was traveling with over for this, this dinner or this lunch, this brunch on, uh, on the Sabbath. And Jesus goes, and he's at this, this party, and it's kind of like um, they invited him, but like only half the people there really liked him, and the other half like really didn't like him, and they had a big problem with Jesus. And so it's sort of like, as I was like trying to picture this, what this like dinner party would have been like, Jesus is getting this invitation. Has anybody seen uh, the movie Mean Girls? Anybody watched this movie before? I've not ever seen it in my life, but I do know, gotcha, I do know that, uh, like, basically the premise and the concept, but it felt kind of like a Mean Girls moment, where it's just like, hey, let's invite Jesus, because a lot of people are talking about him, and they think he's the Messiah, but we'll bring him over to the house, and then we're just going to, like, keep an eye on him, and as soon as he does something wrong, we're going to snap on him, and we're going to embarrass him, we're going to out him in front of everybody. And so, so Jesus is at this dinner, and, and Jesus is unfazed by this stuff. He doesn't come in, you know, sheepish or worried or like, what's going to happen here? I'm very uncomfortable. Jesus just comes into this dinner, and he's just, like, so confident in who he is. And he, and he gets in there, and the first thing that he does is he kind of recognizes, like, the dynamics in the room. And he, and he puts, uh, he, he just, like, there's this guy in front of him at this dinner, and, and the Pharisees are all around him waiting for him to do something wrong so they can kind of snap on him. And there's this guy in front of him that, that um, the Bible says that he has, like, this, this, this unnatural, like, swelling in his body. Like, he's got this swelling that's going on. So there's obvious, like, you know, mo- modern medicine isn't really a thing at this time. And so whatever swelling is happening, it's obvious, it's apparent on this guy, and it's discomfortable. Discomfortable, not a word. He's in discomfort, right? And so, this, and, and Jesus, like, looks around, and, and he basically, like, poses this, this kind of challenging situation to the Pharisees. And he says, hey, uh, what do you guys think? Is it, is it lawful, is it right to heal on the Sabbath? Because you weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath at this time. I grew up uh, with grandparents that wouldn't let us do anything on Sunday. Like, you couldn't, like, in the summertime, we'd go visit them, and they lived on the lake. You couldn't, like, water ski. You couldn't go outside. You couldn't play in the sand. You couldn't go to movie theaters. It was just, like, just an old way of thinking because they carried this. We don't do anything uh, on, on the Sabbath. And this is the thing. And Jesus poses this question. He goes, hey, is it right for me to heal this person on the Sabbath? And, and it's silent. The Bible says, like, nobody responds. And then Jesus, like, doesn't wait for an answer, and he heals the guy in front of everybody, 
and sends him on his way. And then he basically just says, like, hey, would any of you guys, if you lost, you know, like a, a child down a well or an ox down a well, would you not just jump down there and get it right away? And everybody stays quiet. And so he's kind of poking at these dynamics in the room. And he just says, like, um, you've got all these, like, you're prioritizing the wrong things. They prioritize, like, these rules and regulations. And Jesus sees this person in front of him, and he teaches this lesson. So he's in this dinner, and, he, and he's already seeing there's, like, weird dynamics at play, but also just improper priorities at play. Like, the, the Pharisees, they, they prioritized, like, the law over the, 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 the hurt and the pain of the person that was in front of them. And Jesus kind of teaches them a lesson on that in this moment. And then the next thing that happens is, he sees that guests have been invited to this dinner, and all these guests, they sit at the most prominent place at the table in the room, and they think very highly of themselves. And these people are prioritizing this idea of honor or this idea of status. And, um, and Jesus kind of embarrasses them a little bit, and he goes like, he's lo- like looking at that, and he kind of talks and just says like, hey, uh, here's an analogy for this. When you get invited to a wedding, don't take the seat of honor, because there might be somebody that's more important that they invite, and then they might tell you to go sit at the bottom of the table, and they'll put that person in the seat of honor. And so don't do that, and this is where we get the line that says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus is teaching again in this moment. He's seeing all these dynamics in the room, and he's going, hey, uh, don't prioritize the law over, like, this human being, these rules that you've created around this principle that uh, that is important in the kingdom of God. Um, And then he looks and says, like, don't prioritize, like, honor or your status or your position in a room over the things that really matter because those that exalt themselves will be humbled. Those that are humble will be exalted in the kingdom. He's teaching these backwards principles of the kingdom of God. And then as he does this, right, he shares that story with the table. And there's a guy that's sitting next to him at the table, and he kind of leans over and says something that seems a little bit innocent. And he basically just says, like, hey, how great is it going to be for those that actually get to sit at the feast in the kingdom of, of heaven? And, um, and, and Jesus has a pretty harsh response to him. So I can imagine he didn't, like, lean over with great intention. He probably leaned over with a little bit of arrogance, a little pride, and going, like, you and me, Jesus. Like, how great is it going to be sitting at the feast of God in heaven, eh? It's going to be nice. And Jesus doesn't, not, he's not having any of it. And he goes, like, hey, man, you're, like... Not any better than anybody else. And he doesn't say that right to him. He explains the story and says, what about like this person that puts on this banquet, a great feast, and he invites all these people that he knows and love, and everybody makes an excuse about why they can't come. And so what does he say? He sends all of his servants out, and he says, bring everybody off the street, and those that are hurting, and those that are poor, and those that are in need, and those that are broken, and he fills it all up, and none of the people that he invited actually make it, teaching this idea of like, hey, you aren't who you think you are, and the kingdom of heaven is for everybody, specifically those that are hurt and lowly and broken. So, and, and Jesus says, like, not one person that got the invite will, will, will feast at the banquet in eternity. So he's just going like, hey, you're prioritizing even, even your place in the kingdom of God, even your religiousness and your, your piety, you're prioritizing that in a wrong way. You're seeing it, and he's teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching. And then I feel like he just kind of, like, gets fed up with all the stuff that's happening in the room. And he just, that leads us to this passage that we just read, where it goes, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. So he's at this dinner with a large group of people. And turning to the crowd of people that he's with, after all these things have happened, and he's watched these awkward dynamics in the room, and he's been just kind of sick of it, he turns to them and he says, if anybody comes to me and doesn't hate their mother, doesn't hate their father, their wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Some pretty, like, heavy language, but when we understand it in the context of what this room that Jesus is sitting in, the teaching begins to take on a little bit of a different look and a different life, and it goes, oh, wow, like, he's just saying in these moments that like prioritize the most important thing. 
Whoever doesn't carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. There's a cost to this stuff, and it's going to cost you how much you care about your status. It's going to cost you how much you care about your provision. It's going to cost you how much you care about your rules and, and the way that you position yourself above the people around you. And it's going to cost you something to follow me. It's going to cost you something to be my disciple. The reason Jesus is frustrated as he's looking around the room is because all of these people, they're, they're seeking something. They're desiring something. They're prioritizing something. But a, maybe a better way to, to say it is they're, they're actually seeking after something. They're seeking after position. They're seeking after notoriety. They're seeking after influence. They're seeking after acceptance. They're seeking after all of these things. And Jesus is bothered by this. And so he gives all these different principles and teachings. And then he gives this hard-handed teaching because he's going, you're seeking the wrong things. You're looking after the wrong things. And, and, and listen, maybe none of those things necessarily are bad in and of themselves. This guy that's poking Jesus is going, like, I want to sit in the kingdom of heaven and, and at this feast. That's not a bad thing. The Pharisees are inviting all these people into a dinner. That's not a bad thing. But, but the principles, the heart behind a lot of this stuff, Jesus is poking at that. And they're seeking the wrong stuff. And Jesus is trying to say, like, hey, unless you let go of all of these things, unless you even, like, hate even your own life, Unless you despise even just the thing that we value so much as human beings, which is just being alive and going day to day and like staying, like breathing. I was listening to this podcast this past week of a guy who um, had just like this really heavy gambling addiction and he got trapped in, in, in like gambling and he lost everything that he had and he was driving his car to drive it off of a cliff and, uh, and to end his life. And as he was driving there, he ran out of gas. And he was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like even in this moment, like I'm struggling to do the one thing that I feel like is in my control. And in that moment, he just like, his like human instincts kicked in to stay alive. And he's like, oh, I don't need to actually end my life. I just need money. And then he went and robbed the gas station. And the, the whole thing goes on to like explain his story and other stuff. And eventually has like a good end, but it takes a long time to get there. But that like natural instinct that we have to just be alive and keep breathing. It says even you have to even despise those things in order to be my disciple. What comes first is what? What do we need to seek first? Maybe you know. Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Jesus outlines this for us. He says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, those that don't know God, they run after all these things. And your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. Seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The teaching that, gives us, that Jesus gives us on, on what to seek is first and foremost his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that look like? What does it look like to seek first, like God's kingdom and his righteousness? Well, I mean, read the Beatitudes, that Sermon on the Mount, that, that Jesus outlines all of these different uh, things that, that it, it actually looks like to seek first the kingdom of God. But today, like personally, what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God in my life? I mean, personally, it looks like becoming more like Christ. It looks like learning these, these words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the ways of Jesus and actually spending time with God. Um, I think it's John 15 that says, like, abide in me. For me, to, to put first the kingdom of God personally is to abide in Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to allow God not just to, like, inform me of what to do in my life, but to actually know me, to be known by God. There's a difference between spending, like, time reading your Bible in the morning and pausing and going, God, I actually want you to, like, search my heart, know me, know my anxious thoughts, know my ways, be close to me. So personally, how do, I, how do I seek first the kingdom of God? I spend time with Jesus and I go, God, know me and, and change my heart and who I am. As, as a spouse, how do you seek first the kingdom of God? 
you recognize that your spouse is, is somebody that God loves even more than you love and that you've been given an opportunity to have a partnership with that person to reach the world around you with the good news of Jesus. And, and you guys are better together for that. But what is your purpose and what is your mission as a spouse? It's actually to, 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 to build a healthy home and to reach the world around you better together than you could apart. That's what it looks like to seek first his kingdom as a husband or as, as a wife. And then, and then, like, as a parent, what does it look like to seek first God's kingdom? It's to know that, like, my kids are, before they're my kids, they're God's kids. And as I'm sitting here this morning and we're worshiping and I'm holding Jude and he's sleeping in his arms with like all splayed out on me and all this stuff. I'm looking at him and I, and I love him, but I also realize that like, like he's not mine to like shape and mold in all these ways that I want to. He's mine to steward because he's God's first. And that I have an opportunity to, to equip him to love those around him well and to, to be a light in the world around him. Not just to be you know, a good athlete or a good student or responsible and have manners, but to love Jesus and to love the people that live on this earth. And, and to be honest, here's a, here's a real practical in how we manage all the things that happen in our life. The order in which I just shared those examples is the order in which that we should operate as human beings. Like the first thing first is that we need to have a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus. So when stuff is going crazy in your life and you go like, I don't know how to get a handle on all these things and bring it back under like my control, um, the first thing to do is go like, God, I need to get in front of you and to spend time with you first. That's the most important thing is your personal relationship with God. The next most important thing is the spouse that you have or the relationship with you have. And I'm talking about like a covenant relationship, a marriage. I'm not talking about necessarily like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or anything like that. I'm talking about like your, like your spouse that you've made a covenant relationship with. So it's yourself and your relationship with God. And then it's your spouse and your relationship with them. And then it's your kids. Right? That's the next thing. Because if, if we spend all of our time like talking about our kids and hanging out with our kids and we devalue the relationship that we have with our spouse, it's going to cause us some problems down the road. Beth and I had a conversation about this last night, actually, to get really real this morning. And we just kind of like finished everything in the day. And I just kind of was like, hey, I don't feel like we're prioritizing each other in the mix of everything. We just had Jude and we're a month into this. And we're just like both doing our own thing in our own lanes. And it's kind of like freaking me out a little bit. And we need to prioritize each other a little bit more in order that we're good parents to raise like these kids in this home. So it's yourself and God. It's your spouse. It's your kids. And then after that, it's everything else in your life. Every other thing that happens, your work, your hobbies, your extended family, all of that other stuff is all kind of in this same bucket of the mission that God has called you to, the purpose that God has called you to. It all kind of lives down in that zone. And for each person, those are going to jump up at different seasons of your life. There's going to be seasons where you really need to invest in your sister or your brother. There's going to be seasons where you need to double down at work. There's going to be seasons where you really need to double down at church or double down at home. And those priorities are going to shift into balance. But in that bucket is where all of that stuff lives. And on the page that we write this list of priorities, that page is like your church community and the community that you exist in like your your engagement with the people of God um Nate who was the writer that called it like the community of loving prayer what was that person that you're telling me about couple people, doesn't matter. Somebody called it the community of loving prayer, and Nate was telling me about it this week, but it's this idea that like all of this stuff is outworked in Christian community, this community of people that are following after God and trying to do this the right way. That, that's not like in conflict with your family. It's not in conflict with your relationship with God. It's not in conflict with your work. That community is a part of where you outwork all of this stuff, but the whole point of your life is this mission that, that we're on to follow Jesus and to bring people into relationship with him. So how does this impact like our vocation and our work I've got only a few minutes left. How does this impact like our vocation and our work? A lot of times when we get these priorities mixed up, 
And when we start to prioritize work over family or when we start to prioritize family over our relationship with God or when we start to prioritize certain things over other things, it, it causes like, things to be out of order in our life. We get really frustrated with the way that things are operating. We get really frustrated with like, oh, I just can't handle this, or I can't do all of this stuff, and I can't, I can't figure out how to manage all of this, and I don't have time for all of this stuff. And in those seasons, we start to drop some of the most important things, don't we, as people? I don't have time to get up early in the morning to spend time with God. I, I just got to get all of this stuff done. I don't have time to volunteer at church because like, there's just too much going on in, at school and at work, and I, just, I need to drop this thing. And we begin to lose, I can't go to my local because I just got so much going on tonight. And we begin to drop like, those most important things in that priority list, to chase after the things that are maybe more urgent, uh, more, maybe more pressing, but not as significant or not as urgent in our life to, to prioritize. And so in, in that mix of everything, one of the challenges is like, we can get frustrated with God when those things are out of order. And we can, we can put to God like, um, I wrote it down because I knew I was going to screw it up trying to say it out of memory. Sometimes like we see, what we see is a lack of provision in our life, whether that be like a um, a promotion at work, whether that be, you know, finances for a certain thing that we want to do, whether that be success in different areas. Sometimes what we see as a lack of provision on God's part is actually a lack of prioritization on our part. We'll look at God and we'll go, God, why aren't you giving me this, that, or the other thing? I'm so frustrated. I feel like I'm doing all this stuff for you. And I've been at this job for three years and it was only supposed to be a year and then I was supposed to get a promotion. Why am I still stuck here? And we attribute to God a lack of provision when really it's just a lack of our prioritization to go, maybe God doesn't actually want you to get that promotion. Maybe he doesn't actually want you to take that job somewhere else because he's doing something in your life where you're planted right now. Maybe he doesn't want you to move forward in this, that, or the other thing because the other part of your life is so significant and he's teaching you something. Maybe you're wrestling with like, ah, oh man, these are pretty like hard things to say. I thought about this in the car this morning, but I actually do think it's important for somebody here this morning. Maybe you're wrestling with like um, infertility or a journey to like have children. And maybe you're so frustrated with God in that relationship with God to go, God, why aren't you giving me this thing that so badly my heart desires? And maybe, and this isn't for everybody, but maybe it's for somebody. Maybe, like, God has a couple kids in mind already that need a good home and a good family that you can adopt and bring into that family. But for us to go, like, man, God, why aren't you giving me this thing that I so desire? Maybe we're, we're just, our priorities aren't necessarily exactly right on things. For our, our work, I mean, work is just like a really frustrating one. I remember when I worked at, at D2L, I just saw so many people like um, thriving in their careers, and I feel like I was just really struggling in mine. I was like, man, I don't know if I can figure this stuff out. And um, I had a lot of anxiety around that thing. And a lot of it was just like I desired so much to be seen as like successful in my workplace. I was a, like a, a business development rep at, at D2L, and basically the whole point of that job is to like, work hard enough so that you can be an account executive. I remember just like working hard and, and wanting so bad to do that and my motives were off. My motives were more like I want to just be prominent and make money and be successful as opposed to going like, man, this team of like BDRs that I have, these guys that are all around me, I have a real opportunity to influence them and impact them and like invite them into church and invite them into what's going on in my life. But I missed that because my priorities were off because I just want to be successful in the eyes of like the people around me and my family and to say it at like family reunions and stuff like that. Our priorities are off and we can attribute that lack of priorities to um to God not providing for us in the ways that we desire him to provide for us. There's a lot, like, like life is full and, and there's a lot of stuff that, that goes on, but I, I think in the mix of everything, like God has so much more for us as human beings than just juggling and managing all the stuff that's in our life. 
God has so much more for us. Like, I, I think about this with our kids, right? Like, every morning I wake up, and Vivian immediately needs her diaper changed, and then she needs breakfast, and then she needs this, that, and the other thing. And I feel like I'm just bouncing around all the time. And if I'm not careful, my whole life can just get sucked into doing all of these things in my life and not realizing that the greater responsibility I have with my children is to develop in them a love of God and a love of his church and a love of the world around him. We can't, we, sometimes we, we lose the plot in some of this stuff. And, and the thing that's like, that's sad is he's like, God has so much more for our lives than this. So much more for our lives than this. He has so much more in our workplaces. Like, think of all the people in your workplace that, that their life would actually be transformed if they could come to an understanding of how much God loved them and had an invitation into, like, a relationship with God. And maybe, like, an invitation over and over and over and over again. When Jesus says, like, you're the salt uh, and light of the world, but how can salt be, like, useful? How can it be made salty again if it loses its saltiness? That's the, at the end of this priority list because he's saying every single day there's a sacrifice to be made to pick up your cross, to follow me so that you can be my hands and feet in the world around you so that you can be salt and light so that you can meet the the needs of the people around you so that you can show people the love that I have for them the grace that I have for them the life that I have for them the newness and the fullness of life like it's not about just juggling a bunch of priorities and balls in the air the problem is like we look at our life as this box and 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 each piece like is pulling from each other there's like so many different circles in the box I got my work circle and my my family circle and my and my like hobby circle and each of these circles expand at different times and we're going I don't know how to juggle all of it when that analogy actually really breaks down and our whole life is to be disciples of Jesus and follow after Jesus and it's more of like a river that's flowing and each of these branches are coming off of that river because our perspective has shifted to go I'm not just trying to juggle all of these things but first and foremost I'm following Jesus and I'm inviting people into that thing and then I get to do all of these things that God has blessed me with then I get to be a dad and then I get to be a mom and then I get to be a, a spouse and then I get to be at this workplace all out of this basic fundamental principle that we're following Jesus and that we are his disciples and his hands and feet here on earth it's a perspective shift, a priority shift, but one that I think is necessary as we're talking about like our, our life and our vocation. And I'm, I'm just going to close this morning because um, we want to do some worship after this. And so I just want to invite, yeah, there you go, Scott. Hey, invite Scott back up. And we're going to spend some time, time worshiping. And I just want to invite you to stand this morning um, as, as we close and before we go into this time of worshiping. And, um, and in some of, these, some of these priorities and some of these things, like, I think we can feel really worn out a lot of times in our life trying to juggle all the stuff that's going on. Trying to be good parents and trying to be good spouses and trying to be good friends and trying to do all of these different things. And Pastor Emma, um, she was teaching our, our team this past week on a leadership call and she, she gave this analogy of kind of juggling all these different balls in our life. And you've got like your work and you've got your family and you've got all these different things and you're trying to hold all these things up and, and talk about like this idea and this analogy that um, you know, some of those balls are glass, and if you drop them, there's greater impacts than other balls that are rubber, and they'll just kind of bounce, and you can come to those later. And I was talking to my sister about that afterwards, and she's just like, hey, that analogy, like, I was wrestling with that, because it kind of stressed me out, because I was like, I don't want to drop any of the balls, because I don't want them to shatter. She's like, maybe it's like, maybe it's more like, um, like, I've got a lot of plants that I got to water, and, and each plant, like, needs the water, and some plants are like, you know, anybody have, like, a fiddle leaf? plant or have at least heard of this the most like fickle plant of all time I bought a bonsai tree once because I thought I could get into that and do that stuff and I killed it in less than a week because it's so complicated to keep alive and some plants are like like succulents and you don't ever have to tend to them and they can keep going on and and, and these two kind of competing analogies of like juggling balls and watering all these plants and in both of them I'm just like man in all of this stuff it just feels like so much work like so many things to be responsible for so many things to keep going so many things to like hold up and figure out in our life 
And it doesn't, it just seems off. Like most of the days I'm running through my life just exhausted by all the things that I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for things at church. I'm responsible for things at home. I'm responsible for things in my marriage as I'm sharing this, like all these different things. There's, there's a heaviness going like, man, how am I going to do all this stuff that God has asked me to do? Hey, I'm, I now got to hate my mom and my dad and all of these different things like chicken with their head cut off, just a flurry of everything. They want to be around Jesus. They want to spend time. Not only do they want to be around, they want to be like him. Call him rabbi. I just want to be like you, Jesus. I want to do what you're doing. I want to operate how you're operating. I, I see Jesus say things like, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me, all those who are, are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. These are the teachings of Jesus. So when it comes to the priorities, I go like, man, maybe, maybe it's not as complicated as I make it out to be. Maybe it really is. Maybe life is really just as simple as, as first things first. As going to Jesus and saying, God, what do you have for me today? How can I be used by you? Would you give me the strength to do what I need to do? And when you enter those conversations with your spouse and you go, God, as I'm entering in this today, would you give me the wisdom to say the right things, to do what I need to do? As you go to your workplace, you go, God, would you just, would you have, would you do in my life at my workplace whatever you have for me? Whether that's a promotion, awesome. If it's not, whatever. Would you reveal to me the people around me that you want me to speak to? I was talking to a guy yesterday who has a contracting business. And He's just sharing with me like how he's kind of, you know, wrestling with it all and trying to manage it all. And he's telling, I'm not saying, who do you got like employed for you right now? I'm trying to give him like practical answers to his problem. I'm like, tell me about your employees and tell me about how you're leading them each individually. Da, 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 da. And he's just going like, I got this one guy and he's really wrestling with his faith. And we're listening to these sermons at work and he would never come to church, but it's really cool that he's starting to hear about Jesus. And I got this other guy and he's also wrestling with his faith. He's just talking about all of this stuff. He's like just using his business to reach these young guys with the good news of Jesus and disciple them. He's going, man, my, my dad, I'm bringing him on because, you know, I, I just really want to bless them They're towards the end of their life. And I really wanted to, like, invest in them. And so, you know, I, I just really want to, like, pour him on, on my body. He's seeing the things in his life the right way. He's operating out of this first fundamental that what I have has been given to me by God. What? To seek first his kingdom. To build his kingdom. To seek first his righteousness. And all this other stuff, it'll get added. Don't worry about it. But seek first his kingdom. It's that kind of mentality. It's that kind of attitude. And so for us today, as we're looking at all the priorities and the stuff that's going on, there's a cost in following Jesus. And the cost is our life. And the gift is his life. That as we lose our life, that we actually find life. Find life and find hope and find rest and find newness in Jesus. And that's the invitation for us today. For those that know Jesus and have been in relationship with him for a long time, like myself who grew up in church and has done all these like things the right way my whole life, going like, man, I still get caught in these cycles of just trying to juggle everything, wrestle with everything and go, there's an invitation for us this morning to go, hey, just come to me, rest in me, abide in me, know me, let me lead you in your life. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. I'll take care of all the rest of the other things. Don't worry about that. Just seek me first. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, we want to provide just an opportunity. I want to provide an opportunity for anybody in the room that's going, hey, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I've never made a decision to like take on his yoke and to take on his burden and to let go of my life, to lose my life so that I'd find it in a relationship with him. If that's you this morning, you're going, I want to make a decision today to follow Jesus, to begin this journey of being a disciple, to begin this journey after seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. For the first time today, I want to accept the invitation to be a part of the family of God. If that's you in the room this morning, I just want to invite you right now in this moment just to raise a hand as an outward expression to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to make a decision today to follow Jesus. 
want to pray for um, those that are making that decision this morning. God, thank you for anybody in this place that has made that decision today, Lord, to say, I want to follow after you. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a new way, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill them even in this moment, God, that you would fill them with your love, that you fill them with a vision for their life, the purpose that they have in you, God, that you would bless them. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place this morning. We thank you for the significance of our relationship with you, God, that we're not just going through the motions of our life, but we're actually invited into the kingdom work that you're doing, God. We love you and we thank you. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that made that decision for the first time today? That's amazing. Best decision you could ever make. One more prayer and then we're going to worship. Uh, so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for those of us this morning that are going, man, I feel like I'm just watering a thousand plants or juggling a thousand balls or there's no space in my life to spend time with God because i got so much going on. If that's you in this place this morning, you say, hey, I need more of Jesus. I need to let go of the control or the, 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 the plans that I have, all the seeking that I'm doing. Maybe I'm seeking the wrong things and you want to go today. I want to seek after Jesus. I want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and trust that all these things will be added. If that's you in the place this morning, you need a bit of a reset set in your life. I want to invite you to just raise a hand today to go, God, would you just like reorient my priorities in my life? Reestablish in me my priorities in my life. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, God. We thank you for the gift of, of life and life to the full through you, Jesus. And I pray for those of us in the room today that feel like we're juggling a thousand balls and we don't know how to do all the things that you've invited us into, Lord. I pray that there would be rest. I pray that there would be peace. I pray that we would find our rest and our hope and our peace in you, Jesus, that you would move in each of our hearts and each of our lives, that you would move across our church, God, that we would see the world as you see it, God, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in our workplaces and in our homes and in our relationships, God. Would you bless those that are here in this room with their hands raised? God, I need more of you. And would you lead us and guide us as we leave this place today? In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.